The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into uh, the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guests this hour are the co-authors of a book called The Neutrality Trap, Disrupting and Connecting for Social Change. And we'll find out all about that with... uh, uh, Bernard Mayer and uh, Jacqueline Font, who joined me by phone. Um, Bernie, Jacqueline, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Um, I, I have to ask this uh, this idea of, of working for social change through constructive engagement and systems uh, disruption in this practical resource for social change advocates and conflict specialists, are we all social change agents? Well, we all have a role in what happens in our society, and sometimes that role is for change, and sometimes that role is to try to prevent change. Um, And I think most of us who feel inclined to think change is necessary, have the potential for playing a role for change, um, but don't always have a clear sense of how to do that intentionally. Well, it's it's kind of interesting because as much as we hear people talk about wanting change, people are kind of reluctant to actually change. Um, Yes, that's a good question. I mean, it's hard. Change is always hard, and that's why... um, one of the um, issues we discuss in the book is how, because the place where you are, the status quo, is comfortable for 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 many people sometimes, then the way to advance, or one of the ways to advance change, is to disrupt in some way um, that status quo or that level of comfort, so that then it it nudges or moves people toward wanting to make a change. Is it harder now than it's ever been before? Are people um, more prone to conflict? You know, I don't. I don't think so. Really, I, I think it takes different forms, and we seem to have systems make it harder to talk across our difference sometimes. I mean, I, and that's what I'm getting at. History, Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, Bernie, is it seems like um, 
people aren't trying to resolve conflict. They're trying to amp it up. At least it seems that way in, in the media that we see and, and especially uh, social media and the interactions that people have there. Well, we certainly see it. Um, that's one of the things about the prevalence of social media and the immediacy with which people can respond to things. We, can, we see the conflict very dramatically. But if you look back at our history, we've had some pretty profound heavy-duty conflicts that uh, have been, been resulted in wars and lynchings and hor- horrendous actions uh, between people. So... I, I think we, we need to not be ahistorical here. It, we, got some, we have got some really significant problems right now. Uh, and we don't have to say it's the worst it's ever been to say we have problems in dealing with the most essential issues that face us. We don't seem to be able to be able to make progress on them because of the polarization we experience. But this, we, we're not a country with a law, uh, nor is any country really a uh, practically speaking, uh, a country that has not had a long history of serious differences. And I, yep, and I would add that many of the conflicts that we're currently experiencing in polarization are not new. In fact, they stem from many, many centuries ago, literally, um, the issues between and the, and the racism that has been exacerbated and the comes back from our history of enslaving people that issues that have never been addressed. The inequality with women and misogynism is not new either. There's issues that are, that are, have been in our in United States society for ever since the founding fathers, um, were working on documents to create and, the documents that would guide how we live. So, so many, it, like Bernie said, this is not an ahistorical. There's some new conflicts, but I think the roots of many of them stem from this history, the history of imperialism of the U.S. and colonization. So, th- these are, in many ways, they're not new conflicts. They are just being discussed and brought in different ways, and they're more visible because we have things like social media that makes it accessible for everyone to actually share their opinion. You know, this has been a really uh, strange week from from my perspective with regard to conflict. This is an interesting time to be having this conversation, uh, Bernie and, and uh, Jacqueline. It, it's watching the news this last week, um, locally in, in Flint, Michigan, where my show is based, the, the city council is regularly throwing each other out of meetings. And then the local school board, the president of the school board, attacked the treasurer, punching her several times. This was two women. And I was watching the Senate hearings uh, over the confirmation of uh, Justice Jackson got there just in time to hear um, Ted Cruz asking her if she thought babies were racist. And, of course, lots of news coming out of Ukraine. So I thought, well, maybe I'll take it easy and I'll just kick back and watch the Oscars. (laughs) 
Do you get where I'm going with this? I'm being a little facetious. But the thing is, where aren't we in conflict? Yeah, I mean, you can't even you can't even look to sports uh, as a place to sort of have a, a surrogate for conflict, if you know what I mean. Right. Where it's because that gets all tangled up uh, as well. No, oh, I, I, I some of the mean. stuff I saw on the news this week makes a hockey game look civilized. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, let me just say something. You know, I, I don't live very far away from Flint. I live right across the border in Canada near Windsor. Um, oh, that is close, just a little over an hour away. Right, and I, I kind of followed a little bit about what's going on in Flint. Not, I didn't know about the punching, but I know about some of the deep conflicts there. And that I was just within the last tried, week, Bernie. Right, right. I, 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 I appreciate that. But if you look at the issues with Flint, which get acted out in these kind of really tense interactions, there are some pretty deep systemic issues hmm. that are underneath what comes across on the surface as people behaving in a really crazy, stupid way. Um, and it's, uh, it's important that when we, and this is one of the things we talk about in the book, when we try to understand what's going on, we, we often start with saying people are just outrageous. It's just crazy. But underneath it all, there, you know, there are some systemic forces, and, and you, you, I don't have to tell you about what they are in Flint, but, but uh, you know, it, it, it is, it's been acted out now over many years um, and came to a crisis uh, around the whole water issue in Flint. Uh, that then it gets transmitted down to how people re relate to each other all the time. I mean, you look at the Oscars thing. Um, you can, whatever view you take of exactly what happened, that didn't come from nowhere either. Right. And, and that's one of the things that is, uh, it, it actually begs the question about the title of the book, The Neutrality Trap. What do you mean by that? So what, I mean, we mean by, by that is that we fall into a trap by trying to be um, neutral, objective, distance. If, to, if you look at the manner in which many of our professions, the law, even um, mediators or conflict interveners, um, journalism, there's a big emphasis on if we're removed and we're neutral from the conflict, then we'll be able to address it and tackle it and resolve it and, and things will be good. When the reality is you don't solve any of these conflicts by just being neutral or by following some um, pre-established guidelines or ways of conduct that have been determined that may not, and I know that they're not, um, apply equally now with all the change in population that we have been having and who we are as a society. And so claiming to keep distance and be objective and be neutral gets us into a trap of actually sustaining the same status quo that clearly is not working for everyone. If it were working for everyone, we wouldn't have this type of discussion. So when, take Ukraine, you just mentioned Ukraine a while ago. Yeah. You know, the first, Im the first instinct um, from for many individuals and and organizations and 
and, and entities was, oh, we, we need to like, we need to have peace. Let's sit together. Let's have a dialogue. Let's have a conversation. Um, let's try to, um, peace should happen. And that fully ignores the, the power differentials that are surfacing in the conflict and, and the dynamics that are taking place. And it doesn't lead us to actually disrupt what is clearly an oppressive system for people in Ukraine. So what we end up doing is we, by trying to remain neutral and objective and impartial, we are actually supporting a status quo that that is really calling out for us having change. Well, we've certainly seen that played out in the Middle East. I've, I've always been under the impression, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, as this could be a, a teachable moment for me, is that we should start from a place of neutrality and then collect information to ultimately make a decision as to which side or sides to support. Well, that assumes that every time an issue comes to you, right. you have no background, you have no, uh, you have no, um, you're not, you're not a blank slate, you're not a tabula rasa. I mean, I, I would say what I would ask of myself, if there's an issue that's it's new to me, or even if it's not new to me, if it's an old issue, but there's people that I'm open to what people have to say. I don't, you know, I don't start saying, if you're saying something and the first few words out of your mouth are things I don't like, then I'm not going to listen to it. And I'm going to think about it. But that doesn't, it's not the same as being neutral. It is being, it is being, what we talk about in the book uh, um, is that what people want, for example, of third parties, or maybe of journalists too, is that they're, they're authentic, they they're transparent about where they're coming from, uh, but you know, they're they're committed to trying to do their very best to um, put a, a a light on what's really going on. But the the concept of neutrality is a something is a false is a false offer. We, we're we're never neutral, and people don't believe it. If we say we go into a conflict and say you're neutral, it depends on the particular context, but people will often feel. Like, you know, that means that translates into you're not being genuine or you don't really care. I think it also adds to the, um, it, 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 it ignores that there are many situations, especially when you're talking about this type of power differentials and dynamics, that should never be neutral or never neutral to begin with. So if I am having a conversation or I'm, or I'm dealing within a classroom setting or I'm dealing within a meeting in an office and someone comes out and says something that is clearly racist um, or uses the N-word, I am not going to come out from a space or a, mo- or, uh, or a place of neutrality because there's nothing neutral about the comment that has just been made. And so I think by, by going down that path, what we do is then we hold back ourselves or standing for issues of social justice and and that's what I mean. Then we perpetuate that status quo. Everyone freezes in the room. No one says anything about it because we're all trying to be polite and neutral and um, engage in some sort of dialogue that's, or conversation. And that just doesn't play out when we're talking about issues like racism or misogynism. Or that's, a, that's a great point. And, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to take a short break here. Mm-hmm. Can, can you two stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. Oh, great. Um, We're going to let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in, and we'll be right back. Everybody's doing. 
it on brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Say, objection. Hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about conflict with the co-authors of a new book, The Neutrality Trap, Disrupting and Connecting for Social Change, written by uh, Bernie Mayer and uh, Jacqueline Font, who joined me by phone. Welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. That's fine. We're glad to be here. Um, Just before the the break, we were talking about... um, about neutrality and this this idea that when conflicts begin to emerge or erupt that everybody goes to a neutral corner <laughs> and then and then comes out fighting or negotiating or debating or whatever and and you're saying that's actually the wrong approach where do we start when we see well, you know something um going awry let me maybe give an example that okay. we've, we all know about, I think, and we can think about. We started thinking about somewhat about this book after the murder of George Floyd. Okay. And what happened then, there was a huge amount of community um, uh, unhappiness and demonstrations really all over, all over the world. Um, I talked to somebody in Cairns, Alaska, uh, Cairns, Australia, who went to a demonstration about that uh, recently, and it, it and what we saw a lot of people um, calling for, particularly people who work in in our field in the conflict field, was well, let's let's create dialogue between police and community about what about this. Let's get them to talk together. And our sense. Um, was, you know, dialogue is good. Connection is one of the things we think that's important. But at the right time and the right place, what also needs to happen is you need to build social movements. And the disruption that occurred to gain uh, um, attention to this issue and to um, begin to activate people to start thinking about what to do about the differential treatment of minorities um, by by police in different parts of the country from from how they they treat, treat the majoritarian po- population is is really uh, important it's really important to have this this these this disruption going on so the question becomes well how do you take what is a spontaneous outburst and turn it into a longer term effort to say the system has to change and we're not just going to talk about it we're going to do something to force the attention and of course we have plenty of models in our history for how that's happened like the civil rights movement which always was willing to talk to people many of the leaders but they also continue to disrupt the the, uh, racist practices so that that's sort of the way we think about it so the question is what needs to happen now to make this issue a more important one to help people understand the nature of what's going on and to make change something that is necessary. You know, it's interesting. You brought up the the George Floyd um, activity. uh, What this was it just this past summer? Um, And it was actually the summer before. You're right. You're right. It was the summer before. Um, there was a 
George Floyd inspired Black Lives Matter demonstration and march going on in Flint. And our county sheriff, Chris Swanson, was out there leading a number of area police departments to watch and and manage the crowd to, you know, try to keep anything from becoming violent. And at one point, Chris, in full battle gear, confronts somebody at the head of the line and and, um, says, what do you want us to do? And the person came back with, and this was so shocking, it ended up making national news, Bernie and, uh, and Jackie, or Jacqueline. The person, Jackie's fine. The person came back with, walk with us. Right, I remember that. Do you remember seeing that? Um, Chris, well, I remember hearing it, yeah. Yeah, Chris took, you know, at that point he took his, his riot gear off, instructed some of the, the officers nearby to take their gear off, and they turned and walked with the marchers. And it opened all kinds of conversation along the way. It was it was a real interesting moment that could have gone in a lot of different directions. How do we how do we choose the right thing to say in a situation that's often you know uh, heated up by emotion? I think you know one of the things that's that's interesting as you're describing this is that that's the second like part of our book, which is called Disrupting and Connecting for Social Change. And so as much as disruption is necessary to call attention to, to, to the flaws of the system and the abuses and the violence within the system, the connecting piece is also necessary for change. And so what you're describing there is a disrupting effort of, of being disruptive in terms of marching and and, and, and being visible as to, you know, we are, we're not okay with certain things that are happening. But then there's also the connecting piece of how can we connect across differences, even if we may hold opposite views, even if the role of the protesters in this case and the role of the sheriff and the law enforcement um, piece of it has completely different roles, they can still connect through their differences. And, and, and be able to start conversations and dialogues um, that if they end up in a commitment for social change, then that's the type of dialogue we are supportive of in our book, not just the conversation for the sake of the conversation. And I think that's an example. Um, what you raise is an example of that disruption and connection um, happening. And it was also a chance for me to paint the Flint area in a slightly better light than I did in the last segment. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's important, too, because one of the things that we also talk about is the narratives that are created that perpetuate the the system maintenance, if you want to call it that, and the narratives we perpetuate that can help systems change. And one of the things that I think Flint's faced is a pretty negative narrative about itself, a pretty pretty negative story. Uh, And it's important that the story be more complicated. And I'm sure that's one of the things, if you're located in Flint, you try to do, more nuanced, more rounded. 
And that's um, one of the things that concerns me, is, and I see this so much because of uh, social media and, and because of uh, the way people are, are interacting um, in, in almost a negative kind of way. There's this sense that, um, you know, I, I hear something like this, and I'm going to paraphrase it to be a little bit facetious, but it's, um, if you don't agree with me, you're a moron. <laughs> And I see that kind of conversation taking place all the time. How do we, how do we, first get ourselves to not be so locked into what we already think that we're not willing to listen to someone else? And if we're on the other side of that, how do we convince somebody that we're not a moron? Well, you probably can't convince somebody, and trying to convince somebody may be a step in the wrong direction. But what ah. you can do is listen, nonetheless. All right. I, I, obviously, you didn't like what I just said. Tell me more. Help me understand it more. And at some point, you can say, well, let me, let me tell you what I think. And it may not change anything uh, in terms of what you ultimately think of each other, but it very well could uh, change the nature of the conversation. And one of the things I've often said, Jackie's heard me say this a lot, to students when I've taught them about conflict is if you don't know what else to do in a conflict three words that you can almost always say not always but almost always is tell me more see i i think that's that's important and not enough people do that are there are there examples uh, you know i i think of examples uh when I was growing up, people that I read about or, or heard speak on, on radio or whatever, whether it's Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi mm -hmm. or, or so on, people who had these, um, they, they had this tremendous presence for bringing calm to situations. Do and we have any... do it by being neutral. I just, they did it by being clear about who they were, their values, mm -hmm. bringing, their, their, bringing their selves to the table, and also respecting other people at, at the same time as they were saying, up with this, we will not push. But do we have mm -hmm. some, um, some role models or examples to follow in, in this day and age? I, you know, I told you I was watching those Senate, invest or the Senate hearings, the confirmation hearings. I was having a tough time finding anybody that I would want to follow anywhere. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm saying that jokingly, but the problem is that there's a lot of distrust in, in government officials, uh, elected and appointed. Um, there's, there's a distrust of science. Um, you know, there's just this, this huge amount of, of lack of trust going on throughout our, our uh, society. And I, I, I just wonder, how do we, how do we turn that? Do we have some people we can look up to and say, be more like them? I would say, I, I, I don't know about a specific person, but what I would say about that is be more yourself. 
um, look inward. Like, who are you in terms of what are your beliefs? What is your background? Um, get to know yourself better in an authentic way, in a self-reflective way. Um, Bernie mentioned a while ago, you know, we're not a tabula rosa. We're not what my opinions and my thoughts are and how I think and what I choose to do and I choose not to do is actually stems from my experiences, from my own stories, from being a Puerto Rican woman who was raised in Puerto Rico by the education that I, I was able to, to, to get, by the degrees I was able to, the formation, my professions, the people I meet. We're not we're not neutral. For me, I tend to admire most the people that, even if I may disagree with them, I I see that they're being authentic in their position, even if I completely disagree where they're coming from. Um, so for me, that's a big, big deal. And also trying to be intentional about connecting with people that think differently than you. Um, if you look in our history, a really good example of how this was accomplished in a very relatively short term compare with the, the, the times and, and how long it takes to make the social significant changes is LGBTQ population. If you look at the rights they have now, even though not to say that these things have been fully solved, but if you look at that, the way they, they did it was through the stories of connecting with each other across their differences. And the second those stories came out about people coming out, people started to say, oh, wait a second, I had a friend that is my best friend that I didn't know he was gay, and now he is. So he certainly couldn't be that terrible, or those misconceptions that I had all of a sudden are being challenged because I'm actually seeing someone in a whole different venue, and it is someone I actually know something about it or I have a relationship with. So for me, it's more about really looking internally and trying to 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 value and to acknowledge and recognize um, people that are really truly authentic with where they are. I don't want to change them. I don't want to necessarily change who they are. I don't want them to change who I am, but I do want to be able to, to have a connection with them to try to attempt to understand what's going on and see maybe we will find some commonality or maybe we won't. But it opens the door for a lot of possibilities. Tom, can I give you a? That's I can. That's completely agree with everything Jackie said. And, uh, but I, I want to give you ask for. Can I give you a couple of examples? Yeah, please. Be, uh, well, one was from the Senate hearing. Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. At, uh, at, yeah. At some point, he got up there. He didn't attack everybody, you know, and say that they were morons. He talked about her and what the meaning of it was, and he spoke from his heart uh, and his and his head with elo- eloquence. Um, and I think that if anything kind of counteracted some of the horrible negativity there, he gave another example of that, and that was very important, I think. And here's another example. We all know Anthony Fauci from the COVID stuff. Sure. But if you go back and look, one of the first major things he did was after, you know, being very skeptical about uh, and, and maybe not as responsive as it might have been about some issues having to do with AIDS in the early in the 80s. He actually was said, "Wait, I have something to learn." And he went out there and he sat with the leaders of the people who were demanding more research funding and more uh, support for people who are who are, who are struggling with AIDS and HIV. And and together they actually came up with a process that really turned a lot of that around. 
So, I mean, there are, there are examples all around, but those are just two that you, you might be familiar with and, and maybe your listeners will be. And, and I'd, I'd like to add one to your, to your list from the other side of the aisle. I think Liz Cheney. I don't always agree with her positions, but I think she's one of those people who is um, is authentic. Mm-hmm. Did I? My phone went dead for one second, and I missed who you were. Referring oh, to. Liz Cheney. Oh yeah, well that's right. <laughs> right. No, from the from the other side of the aisle. Um, you yeah. know, both of the people you mentioned happen to be very left leaning, mm-hmm. and and I wanted to, to to point out that that it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Um, right. and, and to um, to what Jackie was saying a, a moment ago, um, I had a, a mentor in broadcasting once who said, don't try to be a boss DJ, you know, just be yourself, but more. <laughs> and I thought, good. what great advice uh, for all kinds of applications. But his, his advice about broadcasting was be yourself, but more. Right. That's good. Little conflict little little challenges us that way to be ourselves, but more. Yeah, the, like the um, a little different than the two politicians that were arguing, and one says to the other, "Are you lying to me?" And he said, "Yeah, but hear me out." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's good. Um, Sometimes, in, in, in what the wise people tell, is revelations about who they are and, and what's important to them. Well, and 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 are they in fact lying or? Um, do we just see what they're talking about so differently that it just doesn't ring true? Right. And that's and that's gets back to something you said um, earlier, Bernie, about listening. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I think it's one thing I'd say about listening, and we have taught communication, both of us, for many years, is that listening is important, and we often don't do it well. But it's really the hard, easier part of the communication process. Listening genuinely, caring what people have to say, trying to understand it, is extremely important, extremely useful. But the harder part is, all, is saying what we really think in a courageous way, but in a way that helps other people hear what we're saying. And those two are flip sides of the coin of what it takes to talk across our differences. Well, it's an important uh, it's an important subject. And is is listening step one, or is there something that that needs to be said or pronounced when when trying to address conflict? Well, um, Jackie, did you want to say something? I wasn't sure. Yeah, sure, yeah I wasn't sure. <laughs> um, I mean, I, first of all, I would say step back a little bit that, that it's not a linear process, right? Like dealing with conflict may not necessarily, it's not a, a, a linear process. And so I think listening is extremely important and listening authentically. Um, 
but maybe you're in a situation where what you're doing is observing, or maybe you're trying to process information, or maybe you're trying to do some internal thinking first before you actually go and approach someone else as opposed to reaching out immediately and starting a listening um, session. So so I think it's, I think listening is at the core, um, but I I also think that for me the first step is to to look within. I try. I don't always do it well, and I don't always do it right. But to really, really try to start with myself um, and and thinking about how can I be authentically coming to a conversation in a way that is authentic, and I'm inviting more conversation and not pushing my agenda from the get go. And so. That's how I would usually frame it. Um, many times listening could be the first step, but not necessarily. Can, yeah, let me just add to that, this, that Jack talked about slowing things down. You know, mm-hmm. that is one of the main principles of how you de-escalate violence, is you try to slow down the pace of interaction, whether it's interpersonal or intergroup. And you, you, you know, our tendency when that happens is to speed everything up. But you just breathe, sometimes just slow down the pace of say what you want to say, but say it slower with longer pauses. That is actually one of the ways in which you can de-escalate volatile situations. Well, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Actually, I can because you're both very engaging. And I, uh, uh, the book is called The Neutrality Trap, Disrupting and Connecting for Social Change by Bernard Mayer and Jacqueline Font. And um, Bernie, Jackie, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners. And I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, Do you have websites you'd like to share? Bernie, I guess we'll start with you. Well, since I am now an emeritus professor, uh, my my active website is more connected with this book. So, if people want to uh, to uh, just Google the neutrality trap, um, you will get all sorts of information on me. It's published by Wiley, so you can go to John Wiley and Sons website, and, uh, and there you'll find a, about the book, about Jackie, about me, and about a lot of other things. <laughs> Jackie, yep. do you have a website you'd you'd like to um, share, or are you good with that one? Yeah, well, I'm I'm good with that one. But in addition to that, I am I currently am the um, executive director for diversity, equity, and inclusion at Eastern Mennonite University here at Harrisonburg, Virginia. And so, you if you go to the Eastern Mennonite University um, website and you Google and search for my name, then you'll find all sorts of stuff also about me and and some of my previous writing and, and activities and things that I've been doing in in my the webpage for um, Eastern Mennonite University that has my name on it. Well, thank you both, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Tom. We appreciate you having us on your show. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for the invitation. Take care. Once again, that was uh, Bernard Mayer, Ph.D., internationally recognized leader in the field of conflict intervention, and Jacqueline Font Guzman, a Fulbright scholar with a vast experience in conflict, healthcare, academia, and the legal system. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we uh, go to break. 
um, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Lots more of the Tom Sumner Program is straight ahead. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner Program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 48 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. 
But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nussel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. This presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, I'd like to have an argument, please. Certainly, sir. Have you been here before? No, I haven't. This is my first time. I see. Well, do you want to have just one argument, or were you thinking of taking a course? Well, what is the cost? Well, it's one pound for a five-minute argument, but only eight pounds for a course of ten. Well, I think it would be best if I perhaps started off with just the one and then see how it goes. Fine. Well, I'll see who's free at the moment. Uh, Mr. DeBakey's free, but he's a little bit conciliatory. Ah, yes. Try Mr. Barnard, room 12. Thank you. What do you want? Well, I was told outside that... Don't give me that, you snotty-faced heap of parrot droppings. What? Shut your festering gob, your tit. Your type really makes me puke, you vacuous, coffee-nosed, malodorous pervert. Look, I came here for an argument. I'm not going to just... Oh, oh, I'm sorry, but this is abuse. Oh, I see. Well, that explains... Oh, yes. You want room 12A, just along the corridor. Oh, thank you very much. Sorry. Not at all. Thank you. Stupid git. Come in. Uh, is this the right room for an argument? I've told you once. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now. No, you didn't. I did. Didn't. Did. Didn't. I'm telling you, I did. You did not. Oh, I'm sorry, just one moment. Um, is this a five-minute argument or the full half hour? Oh, just the uh, five minutes. Ah, thank you. Anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Look, let's get this thing clear. I quite definitely told you. No, you did not. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You didn't. Did. Well, look, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. It is. It is not. Look, you just contradicted me. I did not. Oh, you did. No, no, no. You did just then. Nonsense. Oh, this is futile. No, it isn't. I came here for a good argument. No, you didn't. No, you came here for an argument. Well, an argument isn't just contradiction. Can be? No, it can't. An argument is a connected series of statements intended to establish a proposition. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It's not just contradiction. Look, if I argue with you, I must take up a contrary position. Yes, but that's not just saying, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Argument is an intellectual process. Contradiction is just the automatic gainsaying of any statement the other person makes. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Not at all. No, no. Good morning. What? That's it. Good morning. I was just getting interested. Sorry, five minutes is up. That was never five minutes. I'm afraid it was. It wasn't. I'm sorry, but I'm not allowed to argue anymore. What? If you want me to go on arguing, I'll have to pay for another five minutes. Yes, but that was never five minutes just now. Oh, come on. Look, this is ridiculous. I'm sorry, but I'm not allowed to argue unless you've paid. Oh, all right. Thank you. Well? Well, what? That wasn't really five minutes just now. I told you, I'm not allowed to argue unless you've paid. I just paid. No, you didn't. I did. No, you didn't. Uh, look, I don't want to argue about Well, that. you didn't pay. Aha. Uh-huh. If I didn't pay, why are you arguing? I've got you. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. If you're arguing, I must have paid. Not necessarily. I could be arguing in my spare time. Oh, I've had enough of this. No, you haven't. Oh, shut up. 
I want to complain. You want to complain? Look at these shoes. I've only had them three weeks and the heels are worn right through. No, I want to complain. If about... you complain, nothing happens. You might as well not bother. Oh. And my back hurts and we're in a fine day and I'm sick and tired of this office. Hello, I want to... Oh! No, no, no. Hold your head like this. Then go, wow. Try it again. Oh! Better, better, but wow, wow, put your hand there. No! Now. Wow! Good, good, that's it. Stop hitting me! What? Stop hitting me! Stop hitting you? Yes. Why'd you come in here then? I wanted to complain. Oh, no, that's next door. It's being hit on the head lessons in here. What a stupid concept. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. We don't learn to 
Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 